0: what up world it's your past first point guard and blazer beat writer mike Richmond. you are listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts welcome back to the second player in our countdown to training camp if you missed the previous episode we looked at hassan whiteside and now we are moving on to drumroll please mario hazonia that's right, Super Mario is our second player in this uh, this series, and if, if this is your first one and you're just catching up, let me explain what we're going to do here. We're going to do three segments, Mario Hazonia's year in review, we're going to do his best case and worst case scenario for the season, and a realistic role and expectations in segment three. So Hazonia is number two on the list after the aforementioned Hassan Whiteside, and every day up until Blazers training camp opens here at the end of this month, I'm going to bring you a bite-sized look, a 25-minute look at every player on the Blazers roster to get you everything you need to know before the season starts. So if you haven't listened to the Hassan Whiteside episode, go do that now. I guess you can do them in any order. Do that right after this if you're already listening. Don't change. You're good. But Let's run it back real quick and look at Mario Hazonia's 2018-19 season. Hazonia signed with the New York Knicks and It was kind of a messy year for him overall average 8.8 points 4.1 rebounds 1.5 assists shot 41% from the floor not great 76% from the free throw line 28% from three he averaged just shy of 21 minutes a game in 58 games and started 24 contests picked up a lot of DNPs in there. Um, the Knicks roster was kind of a mess. Their plan was kind of a mess, and it didn't work out for great. Great for Mario from the very beginning, he didn't start the first 15 games of the season. Even though they came into he came into training camp, and the idea was that uh, all the all five starting spots were open on the Knicks. But Onya lost playing time early in the season to the likes of Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway Jr., Damian Dotson, and Knicks first round pick Kevin Knox. Then in November finally happened for your boy Mario got his chance to start and was underwhelming kind of just a bad player on a bad team uh scored in double figures three times over 11 games and in those 11 games never had more than two assists in any of those games and so after an 11 game stretch where he was the starting small forward it was back to the bench for Super Mario then things got real tough for for our boy Uh, Over the next 26 games, uh, he exclusively came off the bench, but in seven of those contests, he picked up one of those things you never want to pick up, a DNPCD, did not play coach's decision. So from the middle of December until the middle of February, he just was out, just kind of on the fringe, not playing or or playing sparing minutes, you know, sparse minutes here and there. Then right before the All-Star break, he got three more starts. And again, he wasn't very good in those three starts. In the final, game, final start of that run, he played just the first six minutes and 29 seconds of the game, got the hook from Dave Fisdale, and pretty much disappeared for six weeks. He did not play in the final game before, before uh, the All-Star break, and then he was completely out of the rotation for 11 straight games until he hilariously resurfaced to have a game-winning block against LeBron James on March 17th. LeBron with five seconds, driving on Hazonia! Hazonia with the block! And that out-of-nowhere block against LeBron kind of headed Mario on the right track. He started 10 of the final 13 games, and because the Knicks were in this heroic tank mode in the t- in the three games he didn't play, Hazonia just didn't play at all. He got a DNP. He wasn't part of the plan. He was either going to start, or he wasn't going to play at all. But over those final 10 games, he was good. Like, good. He looked like, a, at least stats-wise, like a player who could play. He averaged 14.4 points, 6.2 rebounds, 3.9 assists. And when the Knicks ran out of point guards, all four of their rostered point guards were injured, there was a stretch where Fisdale said, Hey, uh, Hazonia, I know, I know you've played mostly small forward and power forward over your career, but Mario, my guy, we need you to play point guard tonight. And Hazonia was fantastic as a point guard he had in his first game start, starting there 29 points nine boards five assists followed by a huge 16.16 rebound 11 assists triple double kind of out of nowhere the last week of the regular season and his final game as a point guard 30 points six rebounds five dimes um it's hard to say if there's anything really to that but it's undeniable that when they gave when the ball when it was in his hands he was good so what the knicks do they sat him after those three games. Gave him another DNP, and then they played him, started him, and he took three shots in the final game of the season. That is the weird thing about evaluating players in March and April. Um, I think you can put some stock into Hazonia being maybe having a little more a more varied skill set than we know. But I'm going if you're if you're me, I'm going to take the previous sixty games as a more of an indicator of what his year was like, um, and assume that. Those games at the end of the season were, even if telling, they were fluky in the way that they told you stuff. So this summer, Mario Zonia, who flirted with signing with the Blazers in July of 2017, came back in, the, in July of 2018, signed a two-year minimum deal, reportedly the second year is a player option, um, and he will be a Blazer they gave up nothing for him neil olshay chased him once didn't get him chased him a second time and now mario hazonia after a rocky year with the knicks is headed to rip city in segment two i want to tell you guys or i'll give you guys my opinion on the best case scenario for mario hazonia and the worst case scenario for mario hazonia but before i do that i want to tell you guys all about crossover wednesday the NFL season begins this Thursday, September 5th, which, which means Crossover Wednesdays. We'll be back for the entire NFL regular season. You will get a special episode every Wednesday as the hosts from opposing sides meet up to preview the excitement of the games happening that week. Find your favorite team wherever you get your podcast, And be sure not to miss NFL listeners favorite segment all right welcome back we talked mario zonia's 2018-19 year in review in segment one and in segment two we're talking best case worst case scenario the best case for mario zonia is that he's croatian evan turner and that might sound like an insult but i mean like the idealized platonic ideal version of evan turner who could guard power forwards be a creative facilitator on the other end as someone who's like a point forward who can who offers something defensively. Um, The best version of Mario Azonia lets Anthony Simons and CJ McCollum play off the ball in the second unit and holds his own enough against opposing power forwards that he earns regular playing time in crunch time units when the Blazers need to go small. Uh, The best case scenario Mario Azonia wins the backup power forward spot in camp and plays well enough to stick as an every night player at both forward spots as a ball handling hybrid. I think the best case for Mario Hazonia is that he really is what the Blazers thought Evan Turner was going to be. A guy who could take pressure off the their their guards. Um you know, I think I think we have enough evidence to say that the Blazers are better when Damon C siege have the ball in their hands. Um but I I do think we also have enough evidence to say the Blazers could use more creators. Um it's maybe not the that early initiator, but it's someone who you could give the ball to and they could run a side pick and roll as a secondary action. Or you could just, you know, every fifth time down the floor, uh, if, if Damon CJ can't, you know, immediately get a high pick and roll, then you run some some sort of weak side stuff for Hazonia where he has the ability to create it and is a creative enough passer um, to find the Blazers' two best players as they space opposite him. But part of me thinks that the best case Mario Hazonia really hinges on whether he can, he can defend um, if he can guard fours or at least just not get bullied by opposing power forwards, backup power forwards specifically. I think the best case is, clo- is, e- is much easier to attain. If he struggles defensively, I think we're, te- we're trending towards the worst case scenario. And for me, the worst case scenario for Mario Hazonia is that he's the Croatian Evan Turner and that might sound like an insult and that's mostly because it is the worst case scenario for Hazonia is what Turner became obviously Hizonia's not making 17 19 million dollars a year but um the 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 basketball fit outside of the financial stuff could still flare up in the ways that things flared up for Evan Turner um Hazonia is a career 32% three point shooter and there's a, the worst case scenario follows a line where Hazonia's lack of shooting makes him a brutal, brutal fit next to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and him needing the ball in his hands to thrive just means less time when the Blazers best players are operating as true threats and more time when they're just spacing on the wing. I think we kind of saw that with Evan Turner. Um, The Blazers tried a a bunch of different things to get him to work as a point guard. You know, they found a couple, but it was more like pick a spot where it worked as opposed to it working consistently for any long period of time. There were moments when Evan Turner as a point guard was valuable. There were moments when Evan Turner as a point forward were valuable. There were a lot more moments when he was a terrible fit next to the Blazers' two best players. I think the worst case for Mario Hazonia is something like that. I also think there is another, and I don't know if this is worst case scenario, but a bad path. Is that his own just isn't defensively ready to play four. Uh, and I mostly mean that as as just a defensive rebounder, a guy who could who can battle with fours on the glass and also deal with pick and rolls as a big man. And with and if he's just not big enough or not good enough to play four. There's a worst-case scenario in which Anthony Simons and Kent Bazemore eat up a bunch of minutes in the three-guard lineups. There aren't a lot of spaces for him to play small forward, and he gets pinched at power forward in favor of Anthony Tolliver and Rodney Hood or just a really steady diet of, of Zach Collins, a heavy, heavy Zach Collins lineup where he's playing a ton of minutes and they steal spot minutes for Tolliver for 12 minutes a night. I think... In in a in a in a sincere way, I think um, Hazonia as much as anyone. That's why I want to do him early in these previews. I think Hazonia as much as anyone is that I don't know. And I was gonna say we, but I'll just I'll just say I, Mike Richmond at Mike G Rich on Twitter. If you want to complain, uh, I I don't know where on the spectrum Hazonia is gonna fall. And I'll talk about that more in the third segment of what my reasonable expectations or what I think reasonable expectations pla- should be placed on him but I think as much as anyone on this roster even maybe more so than Hassan Whiteside because I think Hassan Whiteside has such a long leash in terms of roster construction that his worst case scenario best case scenario is kind of doesn't matter how well he plays because there's there's minutes for him but Hazonia could get lost in the crunch and I think there's more than anyone on the roster there's variance there there seems to be or uncertainty for me whether he's going to tip the scale towards the best case and be uh sort of a a secondary creator and a mismatch on the wing as someone who can get his own offense and has um you know at least some defensive ability he blocked lebron once as you may recall or if he's 10 or if the pendulum swings the other way and 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 he this worst case scenario is a bad shooter who's a tough fit i mean we've i think if you have watched blazer games over the last four years you know that there are times when you can sneak a bad shooter next to damon cj but most of those guys are really good long rebounders long defenders they're Alf amino and mo harkless non-shooters who don't do stuff like that are much harder to stick next to damon cj just straight up it's been difficult, and. I just, there is so much uncertainty for me whether Hazonia is closer to the best case or closer to the worst case. So that's what I want to talk about in the third segment, is what does a realistic season of Mario Hazonia as a Blazer look like? What, as we head, as we march toward training camp, we march toward games that actually matter, what should fans and hell media members be expecting from Hazonia? That's what we'll talk about in segment three. But first, I want to tell you about No House Advantage. No House Advantage has taken an exciting new spin on daily fantasy sports. Instead of salary cap drafting, No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests. Download No House Advantage now from the App Store and use the code LOCKEDON to receive two two free tokens when you purchase two tokens. That's a $10 value. That's code LOCKEDON. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to receive two free tokens when you purchase two. That's No House Advantage. Welcome back. Still... Mike Richmond still locked on Blazers, still a pass-first point guard. So in the first segment, I gave you Mario Hazonia's year-in-review. What his lone season with the Knicks was after three years with the Orlando Magic. In the second segment, I gave you best-case and worst-case scenario of Hazonia. It's mostly Evan Turner-based jokes, but I think there's some truth to that in terms of prototype that the Blazers might be thinking they're getting. Every player's different. Everybody plugs in different. Uh, Hazonia's 23, not 30. He's got more probably space to grow than Evan Turner did when he arrived here. But you get the idea. A point, a power forward type who dribbles, a forward who dribbles. In segment three, this final segment of, of the show, is I want to give you what I think are a realistic role and expectations for Hazonia. A realistic role is that he's a backup power forward. He plays a little bit of small forward here and there. He plays some point forward. But to me, when I look at the Blazers roster, the space he fits in, the space he can pencil in is that backup four. I say that because Kent Bazemore is going to play two and three. I don't think Nazir Little plays. Spoiler alert for some stuff. But if he plays, he's a three. I think the Blazers are going to play some minutes with Simons, Lillard, and McCollum all on the floor in a three-guard lineup. Rodney Hood is going to soak up a ton of minutes at the three. He he could play a little bit of power forward. But really it's Zach Collins and Anthony Tolliver at the four. And if Hazonia has a place to sneak in, it's ahead of Tolliver at that backup power forward spot. So I think a realistic expectation for me is that Hazonia wins the forward spot in camp. But like we've seen happen before with Stott's teams, he doesn't really win it. He wins it for nine games. And then he isn't quite what they need and doesn't quite fit so tolliver gets a stretch where he's the backup for and they end up sort of in that battle for who's the ninth guy all season long i think that's a reasonable expectation they'll both get caught up in what terry Stotts sometimes does to guys playing the hot hand or, or perceived hot hand a little bit longer or sticking with a plan you know a couple games or one week longer than most fans would like and because i think the distance between him and Tolliver isn't that great. Even if Azonia is the guy that the Blazers tab coming out of camp coming out of camp, I don't think or I don't anticipate or I or I think it's reasonable to suspect that he won't be able to take a huge, huge leap, and there'll be some up and down nights, as there are in an 82 game season. This is not a hot take. This is more of an explanation of what it's like to be 23 and a fringe rotation player in the league. Hazonia's 24, I apologize. So I'll say Hazonia plays in 55 games with a couple very bright spots and some really tough stretches. I kind of think when I look at this, when I look at him and I, and I think about how he fits, is that he more than likely leans towards his worst case scenario. And I don't mean that because I think I've. I've totally written off, written him off as a player. I've barely watched him play. I don't think I saw him play more than, I think I saw only highlights as a rookie in Orlando. And I watched a little bit of those games uh, that I mentioned before with the Knicks when he was playing point guard, mostly because I, it was the end of the season and I was looking at my phone and Mario Hazonia had, was approaching a triple-double and people were tweeting about him playing point guard. And I said, okay, I'm doing it. I'm going to watch the end of this game. I just haven't seen him that much. But I think he's been on bad teams, and I don't think that helps. I think playing on the that era of Orlando Magic disarray and being a top-five pick who they just didn't have a really good plan for, and then them picking guys on forwards right behind him in, in successive drafts, just clearly giving up on him very early in the process didn't help. And then a season in New York, um, I think he thought he was going to get a chance to really play a ton of minutes there. And quite frankly, maybe the Knicks should have played in more minutes and not... Tested out what Damian Dotson and uh, and those three guard lineups with Trey Burke had to offer, but they didn't do that. They're kind of they were setting up for a big free agency summer and not maybe necessarily pragmatically planning for the future by giving a 23 year old that they signed to a fairly team friendly deal a chance to really uh, shine. But I said, like I said, I think Kazonia leans towards more towards worst case scenario because. It just seems that a guy who's a 30% three-point shooter playing with this group on a team that is going to maybe ask him to play up a position at power forward, and he might be a more natural power forward than I'm giving him credit for at this point in his career. He's grown a ton since he's been in the league. But I think it's more likely that he would have more rough patches than smooth patches just because of the transition to a new team, new personnel, new system, and all those things. But I do kind of think in the way that we've seen from Mo Harkless and other wings in the past who've had their ups and downs that there's probably going to be a month next season where Hazonia goes nuts and is really useful and I write a long story at NBC about how he's actually really good and yada 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 and um, we all kind of collectively think hey this dude can really play. I just think on the balance he's more likely to struggle and kind of have to battle for minutes than he is um, to be the answer at this super mismatch ball handling platonic ideal evan turner i don't think that's a very hot take if you think it's a hot take let me know or if you think it's a really reasonable take you don't have to let me know because that's what this section is it's about reasonable takes we're going to do more of these counting down to the blazers opening of training camp we are going to run through the entire roster in these little bite sized formats giving you 25 or less short minutes on every single player on the roster there's a ton of new players on the team this year i think this can be really helpful and for the guys you know the dames and the cjs it's a discussion of what we expect from them to take the next step and how they can move this franchise forward But for guys like Whiteside, who I did, and I I encourage you to check that episode out, and for Hazonia just now, we don't know. So considering what is a reasonable expectation and sort of what is the peak and what is the valley, I think is a useful exercise. So I'll keep doing them. Next up, we got Kent Bazemore. If you like the first two, listen to that one. You'll like that one too. I'll try to put a lot of work into these and make them fun. I appreciate you guys listening. The other thing I appreciate is when you tell a friend about Lockdown Blazers. That's what it's all about here. Tell one friend. Tell them to tell one friend. The podcast can grow. I can keep doing this. We can keep having a fun little Lockdown community. Tell your friends that this podcast is available wherever they already get podcasts. It's on Google Podcasts. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Stitcher and Spotify. We got more preview season preview content coming soon. Appreciate y'all listening. Talk to you then.